0: Hello, everybody. This is Andy LeBeau of Commodity Research Group. Today, I'm joined by Marty Stetzer, the president of EKT Interactive, and my colleague and partner, top-rated metals analyst Ed Meir. And we're going to be talking about energy, metals, and uh, trade. Uh, amongst other things on our uh, weekly report, our weekly podcast. Good morning, Marty.
1: Good morning, Andy. Nice to meet mo- you again.
0: Likewise. And uh, good morning, Ed. Good morning, guys. I think I'm going to start uh, and talk a little bit uh, about oil. The market today is uh, getting hit pretty hard. Actually, the last two or three days has been uh, under some severe pressure, falling today by two, $2.50. Today's uh, May 23rd. Uh, we're down by two fifty dollars 50 and uh, down significantly from the, uh, from the highs of uh, $66.60 uh, made, um, made earlier in the month or, or uh, last month. I, I think there are a couple of factors behind this uh, unexpected decline. The first one for many of you who have followed the commodity markets for, uh, for years, or, or not even for years, is probably the fact that, that the market was lined up very much on, on the bull side. Almost everybody was, uh, everybody was bullish crude, including us, frankly, looking at, looking at a tightening fundamental picture. We saw a huge buildup in uh, the speculative interest in, um, on the commitment of traders, uh, net length just exploding over the last uh, couple of weeks to get uh, WTI at least to the point where it was uh, something like 14 to 1 longs to short. And just uh, a few weeks ago, it had been 3 to 1 longs to short. So big speculative interest. Big bullish view by uh, us and uh, some of the banks throwing out numbers like uh, ninety dollars. I, I saw one, one bank talk about two fifty. Problems in the Persian Gulf, which which we'll talk about, and uh, the market seemingly w- was set up for uh, a move to new highs, and uh, it just didn't happen. Obviously, uh, I think uh, we've seen a big move. I know we've seen a big risk-off move. In a lot of the markets, owing to the failure of the um, Chinese-U.S. talks on, on trade, uh, w- which has brought somewhat of a negative bias to a, to a lot of the commodity markets. And I know Ed's going to talk about what's, what's happened in, uh, in copper and, and some of the metals, you know, owing in part to the, uh, to the trade talk failure and uh, concerns about uh, concerns about demand. Now, what sparked our particular sell-off in crude was uh, undoubtedly a uh, fourth or fifth in a row bearish EIA report, which showed crude stocks for the week building by 5, 6 million barrels. And crude stocks now, U.S. crude stocks, have built 40 million barrels over the last nine weeks. Uh, we've gone from being... Yeah, a little tight on crude to now being more or less average. The the day supply, which is uh, inventories divided by demand, are at twenty eight point five. Uh, the four year average is twenty eight point nine. Uh, which so we're we're at average levels, but not really tight by any means. And we're seeing that in the at least in the mid continent. We're seeing a contango, or the the first month is is below the uh, below the second month, and the market cer- certainly did not expect that type of a that type of a build. And the reason we built so much, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, is that demand for crude through crude runs has been has been really soft. The runs are running like the crude runs are 16.5 million barrels a day right now for, you, for a week average. They should be closer to 17. The government thought that by now they'd be 17.4. So that's a million barrels a day of uh, refinery capacity that, that hasn't come on uh, owing to problems in the Mid-Continent, in the West Coast, in the Gulf Coast, prolonged maintenances. so demand, crude really hasn't been as strong as it ought to be. And as a result, that's one of the main reasons we've we've seen a a big build. We knew production was going to be high. Uh, We knew imports were going to be relatively low and exports relatively high. The big number where many of us got wrong uh, has been on crude runs. Now, the good news about that is that over the next couple of weeks, crude runs are going to increase. And uh, crude stocks are going to are going to begin to draw finally at long last, but they've built way higher than uh, you know what, what many of us had thought. Now the good news about crude runs being not where they should be, gasoline stocks are in good shape. Below the they're below the four year average, and um, distillate stocks distillate stocks are okay. they they're a day below. Uh, the, the four-year average. So, so at least light products are in okay shape. In fact, gasoline's a little bit low going into the, uh, going into the driving season. So you know, I, I think that's the good news. The bad news is that because crude, uh, at least on the Gulf Coast, uh, owing to the strength in Brent, uh, some of the offshore crudes have gotten very strong, and uh, Pad Three refinery margins are not good. Asian refinery margins actually aren't that good either, and that's yet another bearish factor for the uh, for the market. Is is refinery margins globally are are probably not as good as they should be because the the premiums on some of these crudes have gotten have gotten pretty high. Now. But let's take a let's move away from the you know, from the US S and D and then just take a, a broader view. We continue to think looking at the S the supply-demand balances for the the second and into the third quarter, particularly the third quarter, it looks as though owing to the loss of Iranian crude, the continuing loss of Venezuelan crude and the Saudis not yet increasing production, although they said they would uh, if, if needed, uh, it does look like as we head into the third quarter and run and runs grow globally, we are going to draw stocks. And there is, there, it looks like there's going to be a shortfall, which, uh, what was the, uh, was the bullish scenario. I think, I think it still is the bullish scenario. So despite this, you know, this, despite the sell-off here, you know, we, we still, we still like them. We still do like the market. You know, we still we think the market will find some stability and um, you know, has every chance in the world to, to turn up. And we do have the geopolitical problems also.
1: Andy, uh, a, a quick question for our uh, listeners who may not be familiar with it. With all of the uncertainties and the recent attacks in Saudi Arabia, how come there's not a lot of risk premium associated? You know the crude price drop, you explained some of the factors. but could some of the geopolitical factors really take over and and we start to see more of a risk premium associated with the crude? So maybe talk to our our listeners what that means.
0: And that is the, of course the, the you know one of, one of the amazing questions is, is we've and also was probably a bearish cue for the market. Uh, with all the attacks in the Persian Gulf and the Saudi oil facilities in the past, you know the market would go crazy on that. and it wasn't really it wasn't really going up. Now we made a new interim high and and then came off. But you know that too uh, was probably a negative negative a negative factor. And I think the reason, uh, the market hasn't gone crazy is that one they're probably is signing right now a low probability that there's actually going to be uh, a supply cutoff owing to hostilities and two, the Saudis have said that uh, they could make up some of the you know some of the Iranian shortfall. We don't even know what the Iranian shortfall is because some of the April and May barrels are now arriving so we're getting a hard, it it's difficult to assess where iran is you know where iranian production is and iranian export numbers are but obviously the 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 market took a look you know took a broader look and um you know said hey we we really don't think there's going to be a, su- a supply cut off you know owing to the straits being closed but that but that doesn't mean there couldn't be and uh, obviously, with, with uh, the, build, the U.S. buildup in, in the Persian Gulf, you know, events can unfold in a, in a different direction.
1: So but, it remains oh, to be seen. It, it's like, it definitely remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, like, no, no doubt. Now, we also have, we have an OPEC meeting coming up yeah. that may be postponed till July. They're talking about postponing it until July, again, to try to get more data. Out uh, on where Iran is, whether China buys uh, uh, Iranian barrels, you know, and, and the Saudis have to make their own decision on whether they're going to increase production. You know, they're at nine eight. They say they're going to be at nine nine point eight million barrels a day production. They say they're going to be there for May and June, and uh, you know, we'll see where they go in, uh, in in third quarter. I'm I'm thinking they're going. They will end up increasing production by. Up to half a million, which would still conform, with they'd still conform to the deal uh, that they made with the Russians. But even with that increase, the, the market's still going to be short. So, um, yeah, it, it looks like a, a pretty interesting couple of months co- coming up.
2: Antti, a uh, question for you. Where do you see Iranian production finally coming coming out at i i don't think it'll go to zero so no no where, no where
0: well, do you see local exports will not go to zero There's, there, there are, i i think right now they're at about 1.3 million barrels a day of exports maybe a little lower maybe one one two that was the april number may is uh, going to be lower than that you know possibly 800 a day think that it'll settle out at about half a million to 600,000 a day. And you know, who's gonna be,
2: going to be who's going to be buying it? Who's going to be buying it? The Chinese? Who, well, there's going to be leakage, you know, whether whether uh, there's
0: third party right. you know to China or third party to India. There's definitely going to be there's definitely going to be leakage. You know, they they're sending they're sending barrels to Syria. So, uh, uh, you know, there there is going to be some Iranian on, on the market. Okay, well, that's that's all I have, really. Good. <laughs> um,
2: Let's hear and... from it. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Well, on my side, we've been looking at, of course, base metals, precious metals, and the month of May, true to form, sell in May and go away. Uh, like Andy, I was, you know, moderately bullish on the group going I- early into the month. I thought the base metals would kind of have one final rally once this uh, trade agreement was sort of negotiated, and of course, uh, President Trump threw a wrench in the works by just uh, blindsiding everyone with the uh, with his announcement that the deal was off. So we've been going, we've been selling off since then, both in uh, base metals and in some of the precious metals like platinum and palladium, of course since then we've had uh this thing has morphed from an economic deal to to more of a political deal which makes it all the more dangerous today secretary pompeo said that china is a national security threat so you know once you start going into uh, a political rabbit hole with with the chinese things really become dicey i think and uh that's why you know the markets are just selling off with a vengeance, and we're seeing a big sell-off in uh, equity markets as we speak as well. With the down now down four hundred points, this trade component is really infectious. You know, it's not only between the U.S. and China; it just spills. It has tentacles spreading everywhere. So you you know, one of the bigger casualties are the Europeans. Mm-hmm. You know, German companies have about 5,300 operations in China. So when China slows down, it automatically impacts uh, what's going on in Germany. And in fact, today we got the IFO business index out of Germany, the lowest reading since 2014. European purchasing managers index came out as well at 51.6, barely growing, unchanged from last month. And then we have the European elections, parliamentary elections uh, slated for tomorrow. All these establishment parties aren't expected to do well. So, you know, you could see pressure on on the Euro. Sterling is already under pressure. It's hit a 2019 low close to it. There's rumors that Prime Minister May may be resigning as early as tomorrow. So all in all, it's kind of a very uh, convoluted picture. What, what was holding base metals up for, for a long while was the fact that inventory levels were very low uh, c- across most uh, metals, copper, zinc, nickel, aluminum. Aluminum is starting to come down as well. So uh, that kind of gave the market some support. However, we're starting to see stocks starting to creep up now. Uh, just as demand is also weakening. So that story of, of a tight market on the supply side, kind of like crude in a way, uh, is starting to, to uh, not hold up as much. And uh, so this week we've really had a big, uh, a big sell-off in, in a lot of the metals with key support levels being taken out, especially in copper, aluminum, and zinc. Now gold has been stuck dead in the water for for weeks now. You would have thought that with all this that's been going on, you'd see some more, of, uh, some more interest in gold. We're finally starting to move today. We're up about ten dollars an ounce at twelve eighty three. But if you look at the gold chart, it's still very much stuck in a range. But I think with with all this uncertainty, it could probably make, uh, have another test higher. Uh, certainly, break above $1,300. That's what we're looking for, especially if, if U.S. stocks continue to head south. Uh, I think what's keeping gold restricted is the fact that the general dollar index is is very strong. So we're seeing it right now at around 98. It's at a one-month high. Uh, you know, very strong against all the major currencies except the yen. The yen is kind of moves up up uh, moves up with the dollar as does the swiss franc so all in all what where where do we go from here i think we're kind of in a in a in a no man's land in terms of trade talks there's no talk scheduled uh, right now the chinese said today that they're not going to be doing anything for for the foreseeable future unless the us corrects you know its wrong actions quote unquote uh, so we don't see any dialogue happening until possibly end of June when President Xi and and uh, Trump meet, and maybe by then we could uh, we could see the two leaders kind of call a truce and get the markets to stabilize a bit. Okay,
0: uh, Ed, thank you very much. Ed, one one question. Yeah, on copper do you, Do you see um significantly lower or do you think we're we're close to a to a level of stability
2: I think we could probably uh we're close you know the the low we've called for the year uh just as a reference point is fifty seven fifty we 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 predicted that back in uh November of last year when we did our annual outlook and we're about Five percent away from that number, uh, so I think at around fifty seven hundred, this is the three month price base, the, basis the LME. You know, a, a lot of these mining companies will really start to feel the pinch, and we could see investment deferrals, production cutbacks uh, uh, if we get down to those l- levels. So it's probably another five percent from here, and and the bulk of the decline. Uh, will probably be behind us. But, you know, a lot depends as to what, you know, if the world economy tips into recession or not. Right. right. Point, we just don't know.
0: Okay. So, so close, club, but That's, we'll still to to, <laughs> to be seen. <laughs> to be uh, seen. All right. Um, well, thanks very much, Ed. And uh, thanks, Marty. Again, this is uh, Andy LeBeau from Commodity Research Group and Ed Meir from Commodity Research Group. You can see us on the web on the internet at uh, commodityresearchgroup.com. And you can get a hold of me and also Ed the same way, alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. Marty?
1: Thanks again for the opportunity to participate. I always learn something when I, especially on the metal side, which is a new new field for us. And uh, I, if if folks are interested in continuing to learn more about our industry, the oil and gas side, to supplement the talking podcast that we do to keep you current on industry events, we now have a weekly newsletter called Energized, which is a bit of a blog and uh, links to important Uh, websites that that will keep you current on what's happening in this important industry. It can be found at www.ektinteractive.com. I'd like to thank everyone for listening.